Hi, and welcome to Incluse This. I'm your host, Sarah Kerwin, and this is a movement for disability equity. Today, we're talking with Dr. Marjorie Roberts, and we're talking about COVID-19 and disability. In her own words, here's her bio. Greetings, and thanks for taking the time to find out a bit more about me. First and foremost, I am a COVID-19 long hauler, survivor, and advocate. My name is Dr. Marjorie Roberts. My husband and I recently relocated to Johns Creek, Georgia after calling Philadelphia, Pennsylvania home for over 30 years. I gave birth to my very best friend, Leanne, who decided to relocate shortly after. I have a doctorate in business and interacting with people throughout the years, I have come to understand something very fundamental, that regardless of backgrounds or current situations, people are looking to survive and thrive as human beings. With a strong business background in both the retail and restaurant industries, I have always focused upon an individual's personal growth and happiness. My skills of providing structured questions to help organize an individual's thoughts and excellent critical thinking skills for helping others set tangible objectives have been thrust to the forefront in recent years and led to a career change to my becoming a certified life coach. As a life coach, contracting COVID-19 has meant personally I have to face some hard truths about my total existence and how I must now take the form of a realistic assessment of my life and how I can help others as we recover from COVID-19. As an activist member of several grassroots COVID-19 survivor groups, my approach is that life coaching is not a do this and that will happen concept. It is a reaching deep, planning, and allowing myself and others to come through and out of this experience whole and complete as possible. Yeah, let's just get started. I just want to say, Marjorie, hello, and welcome to Incluse This. I'm thrilled you're here, uh, and I'm really passionate about this conversation that we're going to have about the relationship between the COVID-19 community and the disability community, and really how can we embrace one another and support one another. And so I'm, I'm really happy that you're on today because it's such a curious question for me. I was just doing more research this morning and came across an article that says at this point, the COVID-19 has not been designated as a disability under law. So before we dive into all of that, I just want you to share with us your story. I am quickly approaching my 11th month. COVID-19, my very first symptom was March the 26th. And as you can see, March the 26th is just a few weeks away. So from March the 26th on to this very day, my life has forever changed. I don't have the stamina that I used to have. I'm not able to do a lot of things that I used to do. And the way that I look at it now, I always say mentally, I'm in a really good place. Physically, I have to catch up. So my mind is sharp. I'm so thankful that my mind got saved in this thing. COVID-19 is really, really dark and scary. And if you don't do everything you can to protect your mind, it'll go. And if your mind goes, then everything else is going to follow. And that's vice versa with the healing process. So now that I got my mind in the right place, I'm just doing everything that my awesome team of doctors are telling me to do 
for COVID-19, again, I say um, it's definitely not a hoax. It changed my life in one day. That morning I woke up on March 26, I was fine. I was functioning fine. I was I was living my life like it was golden. And by the time the sun went down, little did I know that almost 11 months later, I would still be dealing with the after effects of the storm of COVID-19. Yeah, that's incredible. What are some of your day-to-day symptoms. Can you go back to that day? I mean, I feel like it's been March for a year, to be honest. It's like March never yes. ended. <laughs> yeah, like Groundhog Day. Right. Definitely Groundhog Day. Yes. Yes, but you've you've been doing much, much more, Marjorie, since you were first diagnosed with COVID and you had an experience before you were diagnosed. Like, can you share with us that experience with providers that you had? Yeah, that was, again, I did not see coming. But COVID-19, when I first contracted COVID-19 early back in March, um, it was new. So when I get to the emergency room, uh, it was like something out of a horror movie. Everybody was PPE'd up. Everybody was all masked up. And, you know, had a special section for people like myself with these symptoms that I had been going through, which was diarrhea, really bad nightmares, uh, loss of balance, no appetite, room spinning, dizziness, can't keep nothing down, couldn't function. And with all that going on at one time, it was a storm growing in my body. So I get to the emergency room the first time, tell them everything going on. Right away, they're like, oh, okay, well, we're going to do what we do when you come to the emergency room. You know, they check you for check your heart, check your lungs and everything like that. And I was just so sick. I was dehydrated. I was dry. I was totally dry. So they, you know, they caught that right away and they hooked me up to the IV and everything. And they were just doing a series of tests. So finally they come in and they's like, well, you're going to have to take COVID-19 tests. Now, mind you, this is early April of only thing I know about this COVID test is what I saw on television or what I had seen on the internet or how it looked, like this extra large Q-tip that they were just sticking up your nose. So to make a long story short, I went through that process. they done that. They just did one nostril. Back then, I didn't know any better. Did the one nostril. They came back and told me, oh, well, you have an upper respiratory infection. You don't have COVID. Go home, drink plenty of water, stay hydrated take time all if need be, and you'll be just fine. I left the hospital that night thinking like, okay, this is, I can deal with this. That was not true. I, from that point on, from April 4th and 5th, I began to get even sicker. I just began to just fade away. COVID-19 was just ravaged in my body, just totally taking over. I couldn't walk by myself. I couldn't, my husband had to help me from point A to point B. I had no energy. I felt like a, somebody had just took a vacuum cleaner and sucked the life out of me. The diarrhea was going crazy. The hallucinations, the nightmares. It was just a lot going on. So May 28th, I get sick again. I get really, my husband was like, you got to get out of here. So they take me back to the emergency room for the second time. The second time was worse than the first time because they were like, look, you were just here April 4th. We told you nothing's wrong with you. You, you know, you need to contract your primary physician, stay hydrated. We're not going to test you for COVID now because we told you you didn't have it. I'm begging them, please help me, help me. I'm crying, I'm begging for help. No help. 
give me more fluids, send me home. Tell me the contract, you know, get in touch with my primary physician. Now, mind you, back again, we talking early COVID, the doctors have pretty much shut down. You couldn't go into the office. It was a waiting line for them to call you back. So I finally got what I thought was going to be my saving grace. I got in touch with my primary physician, was able to get a phone call with her, started to tell her what was going on with me. I'm thinking, okay, the cavalry has arrived because she had been my primary physician for five years. And I thought I had a really good rapport with her. I'm going through, I'm telling her what's wrong. I'm crying, I'm hysterical. I'm telling her what's wrong. She comes back on the other end of the phone and says to me, it sounds like you're stressed. You don't have COVID because you're not sick enough. You don't sound sick enough. You're not sick enough. If you had COVID, you would be in a hospital hooked up to a ventilator. And I'm like, but, 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 but that's all I, I, I'm, I'm butting her. I'm, I'm, but, 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 but no, no, not, I, I, I don't feel good. I can't sleep. I can't eat. I can't breathe. You can hear me. I'm panting like a dog. I, and she says to me, well, this, the, what's wrong with you, Marjorie, is you've been watching too much television. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And you're mimicking what you said on television. So if, if you want to feel better, I suggest Lifetime Movies and work some puzzles. So by that point in the conversation, I, I, I just leaned over in the chair. I was done because the one person that I thought was going to help me this, this this woman that had been in my life for five years that knew me, I thought, up, down, and around. And the one time that I need her, she totally gaslit me. And she was like, well, I can prescribe something to make you feel better. And I'm like, I'm telling you, this is not stress. This is not stress. I know what stress feels like. I was a single parent. This is not stress. I went to school for nine straight years. This is not stress. I'm dying. What's going on? No help from her. No help. So then I was like, okay, I, I, I don't know what to do at this point. So I, I'm, I'm talking to my daughter. My daughter is my very best friend in the world. I'm having the conversations with her about my death because that's how sick I was and I, I didn't know. So I'm going over his life insurance with Leanne. We're talking about my will, how she has to carry this. Now, mind you, this is my only child my only 40-year-old daughter that we, we we best friends and I'm having this conversation with her about how to go on without me. You know, it's different when you're planning and, and you're aging and you understand that that's part of the natural progression of life, but to all of a sudden be having those conversations when those are not expected to happen um, is incredible. And what you just shared about your provider experience is to me, um, that is a, a very similar story that we hear often from people with disabilities. I was on a call this morning, a conference uh, about disability statistics, and they were sharing about how many people feel with disabilities feel unseen and unheard by their provider. Do you think that you'd be in a different place now today had your providers actually provided you with the health care that you needed? Yes, most definitely. There were nodules at that time that I had all that going on with my first primary position. 
there were things going on inside my lungs that I had no idea about. There were nodules growing and forming in my lungs from the COVID-19. And there were spots on my liver from the COVID-19. And I first went to the emergency room on April 4th. It wasn't until like around June 8th that I was able to get uh, that second provider to believe me and help me. So it was after June 8th that I, you know, when she went through all of those three different visits that I went to the emergency room and did her own set of blood work, she was like, you know, I, I, I can tell you, you know, COVID-19 is in your body. COVID-19 has done some damage because my numbers were all over the place from the blood work. Everything was only out of whack. So what she saw from three different times that I had been to the emergency room and all those other visits that she, I had to see a lung specialist right away because she knew that something was going on in my body. So once I got to the lung specialist and they did their test, that's when she was like, well, you, you those nodules are in your lungs. So if my primary doctor back in April had not gaslit me and tried her best to get me some help, maybe that would have got caught earlier than June. Because the time I got there, the nodules, and they're still there. They're still there. They're monitoring those nodules. They're monitoring those spots on my liver. And they did do a biopsy to make sure that they're not cancerous, but they're still there. And knowing that they're still there, it's like, why didn't you believe me? Back in April, when I told you something was wrong with me and being my primary physician, like I said, she knew I had, I wasn't the person that ran to her for everything. I was, you know, with my regular physicals, my mammograms, my OBGY appointments, you know, that, that sort of thing. And the only issue that I had going into COVID was high blood pressure. But that was just one pill that I was taking every day. Nothing else. So now, fast forward to now, present, my blood pressure is under such good control by my new doctor. And I have a, uh, you know, I, I have a problem with the way that I was treated, but it also made me fight. It made me fight. It made, it made me stronger mentally because I knew what was happening to me was happening to a whole lot of other people that didn't have the means that couldn't speak for themselves. Also, in the middle of that, I lost one of my best friends I ever had in my life to COVID-19. So when he died, that even that gave, I, then I knew I had to fight. I, I had to fight for people who, who have no voice. I had to fight for people who are hooked up to ventilators. I have to fight for people who their bodies would never be the same again. So this is where we are now. And, you know, to, to see... COVID-19 as being a disability is what I'm fighting for the world to see. We can't go back to the jobs. First of all, if COVID-19 strips away your stamina, it takes away your energy level. I can't even walk less than a block without getting winded. Steps are really much, pretty much out of the question. Mentally, I still, sometimes, you know, if I, if I feel myself getting a headache, I get a little nervous. I have to do my little breathing exercises because I don't know is COVID coming back. I don't know, you know. I, I don't know. Does this COVID gonna, you know, rear its ugly head? 
You know, and does anyone know, like, is, are those symptoms going to go away that you have now? Like for, for my multiple sclerosis, it's basically the damage that's done before I started on the medication, right? The disease modifying therapy, the damage that's done up to that point is already done. Like you can't go back really and, and reverse that. You'll have some self-healing, but for the most part, that damage is going to be there. And so then you start from that kind of baseline, I guess, to see if there's new damage moving forward, then it becomes an issue. So are, are they looking at, um, are they looking at that at all? In some, some cases they are, because there are now a lot of long hauler, a lot of clinics that are, that are, you know, trying to address this issue. And now since we have, uh, a new president in place, COVID has been pushed to the forefront because before COVID was getting, we were getting mocked, we were getting downplayed, we were getting laughed at, we were getting humiliated, which we're still getting a lot of those things. But now it's, it's, it's real. It's real to some people. I'll put it that way. It's real to some people because you have, you have, you have everybody, of course, the board has been affected. Corporate America, you know, restaurant, everybody, whole entire workforce has been challenged by COVID-19. So now, you know, we were getting pushed to the back of the bus and nobody was listening. Now we get pushed forward. Now, now they're beginning to listen because it's affecting them. It's affecting their families. It's affecting members of Congress. It's affecting the White House, where before, when it, when it was running rapid through the Rose Garden, it was a ha-ha-he-he event. But now, those people are now becoming, they're experiencing what we're experiencing. COVID-19 is not going away. It doesn't, it doesn't just disappear out of your body. It's still there. Yes, I, I have so much to say. As you were talking, there were so many thoughts that flashed into my head from the past year. The different things that have been shared, the misinformation that we've had. It's just been just kind of the perfect storm for all of this. And you are fighting for COVID-19 to be seen as a disability, right? To be federally stated that it's recognized by law that it is a disability. So let's go back to the long COVID. I was reading an article that was published by CNN.com titled Long COVID still puzzles doctors, but treatment is possible. And it also states that the severity of symptoms upon contracting the virus doesn't denote who will experience long COVID. Some of the symptoms of long COVID are severe fatigue, headaches, and brain fog. Um, So when you talk about incorporating or having the government recognize COVID-19 as a disability. Have you seen any work in that space? Have you seen anyone that's talking about that from a leadership level? From a leadership standpoint, like Mount Sinai in New York was like one of the first hospitals to set up their COVID-19 clinic. So they set the precedence for everybody. If Mount Sinai saw a need to take this thing further, then then that, that's the red flag for me. That is the red flag for me because that that is a world-renowned hospital. And like I said, they were one of the first to say, okay, we gotta, we gotta do something about this because we are getting people that are not getting better. 
they are not getting better. And COVID-19 destroys your organs. It, it destroys your heart. It destroys your liver. It destroys your lungs. It, it just shuts everything down. So if, if everything is shutting down, some people are having to go on dialysis because of COVID-19. Some people need liver transplants because of COVID-19. So once you face, you come up on something like that, then you, you're removed from the workforce. So somebody's going to have to help us. So we are being heard. We just got to continue to scream loud. And that's why I, I encourage everybody, everybody that I talk to with COVID-19, I tell them, do not suffer in silence. Speak up. Join these groups. Get out there. Be heard. Share your story. Don't treat COVID-19 like a dirty little family secret. I'm so excited you just said that. That's my favorite line from when we talked the first time. And I feel like for people with disabilities, invisible or non-apparent, it is a dirty little secret oftentimes that you don't share with people because you have that choice to either identify or not identify with the disability community, right? Yes. In your group, COVID Survivors for Change, that's actually how we got connected. And I'm so thankful for, for Chris. Yes. You know, he he has been, and I'll just say for our listeners, it's Chris Kocher. He is the executive director of COVID Survivors for Change. And what a wonderful man. What a wonderful human being. Yes, yes. You know, I reached out to him months ago with this idea because I started thinking about all of these similarities that there are between COVID long haulers and people like me with neurological Uh, diseases and disorders. And there's all these shared experiences, which got me to thinking, well, what's going to happen when people go back to work? What's going to happen when there are reasonable accommodations that will be needed? Um, You know, is this going to be covered under federal law as part of the ADA? Will these people, COVID long haulers, will they be able to get reasonable accommodations, things like that? So has he talked to the group or talked with your group about any policies that you're looking into or the group is looking into regarding COVID-19 as a disability? Chris is on the front line. I mean, he is just, there are no words to describe the, the level of love that I feel for this man. He cares. He believes us and he is sounding the alarm. He is using every avenue and knocking on every door to get us heard. He is doing everything, um, the, the groups and the way that it's set up, everything that, that you need to function and get through this thing, this, this group is providing. They, they, we, they, we meet every Thursday night. We have a Zoom call. It's open to, to whomever. They have a therapist on every call. There is a minister on every call. Everything. They, they, they go through everything. They, tra- they have training classes to teach you how to talk to media. They have training classes to train you on the proper way to use Twitter and to use all of those media outlets that, that, that you can to be heard. That's fantastic. Yes, he is. He is. And we are uh, back, let me say, like a couple of months ago, we had Lucy McBeth on. You know, it, it's just so many things that Chris is doing. And, and he is so 
quiet and so humble. And, you know, sometimes he'll just have pop-up Zoom meetings. He'll just say, you know, you guys feel like talking? Just, just come on. Let's talk about anything and everything. This, th there is nothing off limits within this group. You know, everything, every, there are resources. You know, they have resources. There are people to help you in whatever you, whatever you may need help in. And when I first saw that group, I was like, oh, I, I, I want to be, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that because all the groups that I align myself with, they're all on a mission and they are serious about getting heard. They're serious about getting us help. And it's just, it's just phenomenal. So I, I, I love everything that this group stands for. And like I say, Chris is just, he's a, he's truly a gift to us. He is a gift to us because he gets us. He understands us and he surrounds us with, with people like himself that understand us. They don't judge. They don't judge. And that, that group is growing and, and, and we meet and we cry together and we laugh together. We pray together. You can scream. You can shout. If you want to come on a Zoom call and you're so tired that you just want to sit there and sleep. But listen, because you need the company, because that's what's going on. A lot of people are being left alone. People that are being married for 30 and 40 and 50 years, their spouses are dying and they're left alone. And these groups, these groups, they give them hope. We come together and we support one another. And I have made friends. We, 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 I have formed bonds with people outside of the groups because everybody that we're, we're on a, we're on a mission. We're on a mission to be heard and we're going, COVID-19 is a disability. Is the bottom line, you know, because like I said, when you're, if you're mentally, if you can't think, you can't work. Physically, if, if, if you're in pain or you don't know what's going to hurt today, you know, your legs hurt, this hurt, that hurt, you got a headache, you know, now your heart is a little out of whack, you know, you, you, your blood pressure can drop. Everything has changed for you. So they're going to have to to make provisions for this new batch of people that's coming and, and are coming with a quickness. It's not going away and, and it's already come with a quickness, right? I mean, yes. yes, it has ravaged our country and the world. But I agree with you. And I just want to repeat what you said. COVID-19 is a disability. I will be so interested to hear the policy work around that because that will be about how long does the fatigue last? Is it going to be a short-term disability or a long-term disability? At this point, it's hard. How do you know? We have no idea. Will it be long-term, like something like MS? Will it be short-term that you have these symptoms and then, you know, two or three years they go away or six to nine months they go away? You know, who knows? So I think there are so many unknown factors, but I, I definitely agree that people who are living with COVID, long COVID are disabled if we look at disability from the general definition of physical or mental impairment that can interfere with your daily activities and recognized by a law. Well, this obviously interferes your days have changed. You know, you said you could walk a block and then you're winded. Tell us about the work that you're doing to support COVID survivors and long haulers. I have become an advocate. I do not. I speak up. 
I have um, started a life coaching business geared towards people who have had COVID-19 or people who have not had COVID-19 but have uh, the fear of COVID-19. And that is what I, I that because I know what it done to me. I know what it done to my life. I know that my life is forever changed. And I know that I have, you know, by grace, I have found a way to fight back mentally. Mentally, I'm in a really good place. So what I do, I put on my cheerleader outfit and I go for it. And I cheer people on. I call people. I engage with people. I talk to people. I read people's posts. I read between the lines. And if I don't like what I see, I, I reach out to that person and we talk about it. And when I'm in these groups, I see people that are hurting, people that are really, really hurting. I make sure that I write their name down and I reach out. So I try to form a group with them, a group within a group, because COVID-19 is really dark and lonely. And it was dark and lonely for me. So when I was going through the early phases of COVID-19, I, I was in the house by myself because my husband had to work. My daughter had to work. I was at home alone. And I had to find a way to, to, to function. I had to find a way to, to bring some sunlight back into my life. I had to find somebody to talk to. I have a therapist. I had that therapist. But, you know, I couldn't talk to her every day. So what I did was I, I started researching. I started looking for people like myself and I found the groups. I started to find, I found a long hauler COVID group that was started by Amy Watson because she was a long hauler. And for 300 plus days, she had a fever over a hundred. Wow. That is a disability. So, you know, I'm in a lot of groups and some of the groups I'm in, like, we just, we just bond. We just stick together. I'm in another group called the Coronavirus Forum. Carolyn, this young lady, she listens to our stories. She writes our stories. She talks to us and writes our stories and puts them out for the world to see. She puts it out there for the world to see. This is what she does. So I, I'm out there 365. I'm scoping everything that I can. I'm doing everything I can mentally to support people that have gone through what I have gone through and I can't save everybody but every day I set out I said if I could save one person today then I sleep good at night yeah yes COVID-19 like I say it, you know I, I don't know how they're going to do it or where they're going to do it but they're going to do it and they're going to have to do it because somebody has to help us it, it, it's nowhere around it it's not going away. The numbers are going to continue to rise. You know, now I know we have, we have the vaccine on the scene, but you still have people who think COVID-19 is a hoax. You still have people who want to do what they want to do. So as long as they want to party and, and do what they want to do, COVID-19 is going to show up and keep affecting people. So that means more people are going to be disabled. More people are not going to be able to go back to work. People that own businesses now have been affected. They can't work. So if they can't open their business, their employees can't work. Think of all of the nonprofits that exist for like cancer, cerebral palsy, spinal cord injury. I mean, you know, multiple sclerosis, all of these different foundations and nonprofits that exist for research and 
funding and support for individuals who are living with that disease or disability. So I wonder if, or I should say when, there will be an organization that arises to address this gap in support for this community. They are, they're up and coming for a whole, almost the whole duration of COVID-19. Again, it was being treated like a dirty little family secret by the government. It was, it was, it was a hoax. It's going to go away. You know, just take a Tylenol. You'll be all right. Now, it's people out there. But until the foot got taken off, or even Dr. Fauci couldn't even speak freely. I feel, and you again, correct me if I'm wrong, that the COVID community has been grieving in silence up until the point where President Biden, was it the night before his inauguration where he had the memorial? Yes, he did. Yes, he, yes, yes. It brought us all to tears. That very night, that very night, Chris called a meeting for all of us to come if we needed to, because he knew that that was an emotional day for us. He knew that we needed him. And on, just like that on Clockwork, the email came through. If you guys want to talk, if you come on, come on, come on. And we came together and we cried and we celebrated. Finally. And it was like, oh my gosh, thank you. Finally, finally, that, that we... Yes, that was a, that that began our night of healing. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yes. So for for me sitting there for me not having the experience that you've gone through that all of these members of the COVID-19 community of survivors have gone through for me it was this release of emotion that I didn't almost like I could breathe for the first time and start a grieving process. And yes, like something had been taken off of my back. Yes, yes. And I, I just cried for two days. I mean, I really cried for two days. That, that day, the day before the inauguration and the inauguration, because I felt for the community, the COVID-19 community, I felt like, For the first time, now you're heard. Now you're seen. Thank you. Now your voices are going to be uplifted. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Because it's it's people like yourself, Sarah, that believe us. You know, we don't take that for granted. And and we don't take it lightly because thank you for, for believing us. Because that, that means the world to us because it was so many people who did not believe us and gaslit us and marked us and laughed at us and, and said we were seeking attention and that we were lazy and we didn't want to work and we would just we would just claim and have this thing. And, and when, when, when people like you support us and believe us, it gives us hope. It pours into our spirits and it, 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 gives, it lets us know that, you know, hey, they're not lying. They're, you know, everybody's not lying. You know, over 400,000 people have died. That's, that's not a hoax. That's not, that's not a hoax. So, you know, again, I, I thank you for your support. And I just want to say to everybody that's listening, if you or a family member has contacted, you know, COVID-19, if you have any questions or concerns about COVID-19, 
please reach out. There are groups out there. You don't have to be have, have COVID to be concerned about it, COVID. You're more than welcome to join our groups and, you know, come be educated. Come learn, you know, Survivor Corps, Long Hole COVID Fighters, the Coronavirus Forum, Mass with Us. That's a, that's a movement that's begun. And, you know, you don't have to do anything but post a picture of you wearing a mask. But we are growing in numbers. We are growing. We, we have members, you know, and it's just so many. And, of course, COVID survivors a change. We are going to bring a change to this thing. You know, you can find me on all social media platforms. Uh, there, no question is a stupid question. And if I don't know the answer, then I know to go to people who do. Because COVID-19, again, is not a hoax. It's not going away. And I don't want anybody to suffer in silence. So speak up, be heard. You know, again, reach out, reach out, reach out. There is, there is hope. There, the light at the end of the tunnel, we can see it now. You know, we still have a ways to go, but we're not far away from as we were. No, we're not. And I always, well, I told you this when we first got on the phone. You're like this ray of sunshine. You're so positive about you know, the change and empowered and, and moving forward. And I just love that about you because it's contagious. And any way that I can help support this community, I also belong to the Facebook group, COVID Survivors for Change, just so I can hear the stories. That's one thing that we talk about in the disability community. We should be leading that way in, in uplifting these voices and sharing these experiences and these stories. And really, what I hope that this episode accomplishes is that people understand and connect the dots between COVID-19 and disability, that people will start to understand. And like you said, given the messaging around the pandemic for the last year, there are a lot of people who don't believe the data, don't believe the science or the scientists. We are not those people. For the people who do believe the data, do believe the scientists, they can, um, they can recognize this as a disability and uplift voices around that. I want to see it embraced, the COVID-19 community embraced by the disability community. We have shared experiences. We have um, very similar experiences. When you and I spoke and you talked about being winded, uh, just walking around your house or having fatigue that you didn't want to, to get out of bed or get off the couch, and that's something that I experienced that my friends with MS and other neurological diseases experience. So instead of seeing where, where there are those differences, I'm truly hopeful that we can see where there are those shared experiences and we can embrace one another and, and bring our communities together, right? To yes. understand that. And that's another thing that I'm trying to work on with the podcast and the work that I'm doing is to bring a more collaborative spirit into the disability community and understanding that if we, if we align our voices and our messaging and we collaborate with one another, then we will make real change in this country. Yes, most definitely. Yeah, and if we continue to fight people and fight one another and oppression Olympics of this disability or disease versus that one, 
We won't get anywhere, and we've been told that by lawmakers repeatedly. So that's my hope. I'm just really thankful that you, well, A, I'm thankful for just your energy and spirit and coming on here to have the conversation with me. I believe you. You know, I think that those three words are so important for us to hear. I have an inner ear disease that's very rare that went undiagnosed or misdiagnosed for about nine years. And when I finally got to a provider that said, she put her hand on my knee and she said, I believe you. And it was also at that same time where I just felt this relief of, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm finally believed. When you're not believed, you're constantly fighting and you're You're already in survival mode with your health, mentally and physically, and now you've got to fight for people to even believe what you're trying to tell them. This was done on such a much larger scale than most of us have experienced. There's a letter that's going up. We just signed this letter this week that's going up, that's going up to Joe Biden. We're sending it up. We're going for the top gun. Going for the top gun. So, yes. And when I read the letter, I had such a smile on my face. And when I went back to the group to to share with the group that I had signed the letter, that's when I said I signed that letter with a big smile on my face because it's going to get in the right hands. Because like I say, Chris Chris is no joke. And he's not going to just align himself with any nonsense or any foolishness. So that letter is going to make it. It's going to make it. And that's just the first of many. I know there are going to be many more to come because we are going to be heard. And I'm just waiting for that day. I'm just waiting for for that day when President Biden people says to Chris's people, have your people call my people. Woo! See, I love your excitement. Even after everything that you have gone through, you are you are still a ray of sunshine. That's because it's going to happen, Sarah. I thank you for, A, seeing the connection between disability and COVID-19 and having the strength to speak about it, speak out about it, and to share your experience. And it's not easy what you're doing and the work that you're doing to support the members in this community is just really outstanding. And I'm, I'm grateful that you took the time today to just have this conversation with me. And I'm excited for people to start hearing a different thought process about COVID and a different conversation about COVID. Yes, yes. And I'm, I'm really excited for that. No, we're not going to be pushed to the back anymore. We're not standing for that. You know, we're going to come together. We're going to align. A disability is a disability. It's no A, it's no B, it's no C, it's no one, it's no two, it's a three. We all are ones. We all are ones. We are all one. And the best example of that is from Crip Camp, which was, you know, decades ago. And that collaborative spirit hasn't gone away, but it's changing. And I feel like we need to change it a little faster. Yeah, and that's what, that's <laughs> right, that's right. Yeah, let's like, that's right. <laughs> let's step on the gas a little bit. But now, you know, Sarah, they got me and you in the car now. We behind the wheel. So we're going to put our foot on the gas and we're going to pick up whoever want to go and we'll drive out who don't want to go. And we're going we gonna, we gonna to take this thing all the way to Washington, D.C. 
Yes, I feel like so excited. I want to go outside and like run in the streets with signs. <laughs> We're going to Washington. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yes, yes. All right, well, thank you. Well, thank you so much. And once again, to our listeners, thank you for spending your time with us and joining the Incluse This conversation and movement. Incluse This is brought to you by iLevel Communications, LLC. iLevel is a California-based woman and disability-owned small business committed to having critical conversations at iLevel that are necessary to move disability to the forefront of the greater diversity conversation. If you'd like to learn more about the work we're doing, please visit the website at www.ilevel.works. That's E-Y-E-L-E-V-E-L dot W-O-R-K-S. You can also email me directly with any podcast episode ideas or questions and comments at sarah at ilevel.works. Remember to put your disability lens on when you look at the world and tune in next week for another stimulating conversation on Incluse This, the podcast that's really a movement. Take care and be well. But the traffic was moving slow. The guy in the car right next to me had going pretty bad. He's blowing his horn and everyone talking to us and he really mad. He's off his cool. That is not the way to be. Losing your control. Don't lose your cool. You never see that come for me. Don't